Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Frankie and Mir, aromatherapy that is fun. Hi. This episode may just be one of the most moving and funny interviews I've done. Geraldine Hickey joins me in the studio today. In the studio, as I said. I'm Claire Tonti, by the way, and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people like me who want to start a thing and keep on making it. Geraldine is co-host of Melbourne's Triple R Breakfasters. She has an unselfconscious charm and a superb skill for finding the funny in true stories. Deceptively cheery, she'll also quietly take out your innards. With numerous appearances on the ABC Comedy, including the Oxfam Comedy Gala, revered in the industry as a comedian's comedian and shortlisted for the Piece of Wood Award at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Geraldine is a veteran of many seasons of comedy and just an all-round great chick to know. This interview goes places. It goes to joyful places and interesting places and also some really dark places. So if you've got little ears around listening while you're driving or something, I reckon this is more of an adult show. Geraldine was an absolute pleasure to meet. I stumbled across her comedy one day while watching a special on the ABC and her bit about Nicole's really just made me rollick with laughter, if that's a term. I highly recommend going to find her on YouTube or at her site, GeraldineHickey.com. And if you can catch her in the wild at one of the many comedy gigs around Melbourne, I highly recommend that too. Enough from me. Here's Geraldine. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming to our house. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Oh, excellent. I'm a little bit nervous because you are an expert at radio and mics and things. Well, please don't assume that because I am far from an expert. I can, I can, I can talk on a microphone <laughs> and uh, that is the extent of my expertise. I see. Well, there you go. Well, I can talk. I'm not sure about on a microphone exactly yet, but I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm trying. We're That's, nailing it. We are. We're nailing it. Okay. So I thought we'd just get cracking and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions if you don't mind. I've been having a little read about you and I really love your company. One of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because I saw a video of your Nicole bit. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I had to send it to all of my friends. And oh, thank you. <laughs> it was so hilarious and wonderful. And so then I deep dived into you. You grew up in Aubrey. Yes. You did. What was your first experience of comedy growing up in Aubrey? Live comedy? Yeah, live comedy. Because Aubrey's a little sort of country town, isn't it? About yeah, two it's, hours. A, it's a regional town. So, and it's on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. So it's, and Wodonga's on the Victorian side, Aubrey's on the New South Wales side. And I think t- combined total when I was growing up, it was, it was like a hundred thousand. So maybe there's like sixty thousand people living in Albury. So there was no the only stand up I ever saw was on T V or listening to tapes. Uh I used to listen to a lot of Bill Cosby tapes. Which Ooh. I clearly do not anymore. Um <laughs> He was great though. He was. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it all the more heartbreaking. Anyway, so it was yeah, and T V and stuff. So the first time I saw live stand up was probably when the comedy festival came through on when they were doing roadshow. They started doing roadshow. Yeah, went to that, and I, I must have just turned eighteen, or maybe I was in year, maybe year eleven, year twelve, something like that, when I went for the first time. And then I'd I'd go every year, and I remember what Pete Hellier came one year, and I 
chased him down <laughs> afterwards and said, oh, I want to start doing comedy. What should I do? And it was very nice. He was, you know, he goes, oh, you should, you know, get down to Melbourne. There's a lot of, you know, tell me some open mic nights and stuff to check out. And then, and that's what I did. Yeah. What was your first open mic gig? Well, to be honest, I did Raw first because that was, I, I just figured, I knew that it was maybe like a year or even two years later that this at all, I went, oh, I'll actually do something about it. Like at the time I was working, uh, I was still living in Albury. I was maybe 21. Like I'd, I'd been to university. It wasn't for me. Came back home. I did a little bit of traveling and was just kind of, you know, I was living at home and working at the local cinema. And I'd been working there for, I don't know, a year or so. And I loved it. I just worked there part time. And I thought, well, this is, I'm very happy with if this is my life. <laughs> if I, you know, I just work part time at the cinema, I'll go out on the weekends. Maybe I'll, I will find a husband. <laughs> this is before I, you know, had, had come out to myself. Um, but in my mind, I was like, I'll just become a housewife and work part time at the cinema. Like I was very content with that lot in my life. And my mother was not, and she was like, "What are you? What are you going to do with your life?" And I was like, "Oh, um, I'll be a comedian." And because that was something that's always had always been there. They're like, "Oh, maybe we could try that." What made you think that was something that was always there? Uh, I'd always wanted to be a performer, so acting for me was. I always had a love for for acting, and it, it, you know, since a very young age and so I did a lot of drama and stuff through school and and it was my drama teacher that pointed me in the direction of comedy because I like it was during a, like in in class one day we had like lines up on a board and he was like okay just get into partners and you just and just interpret those lines her whatever <laughs> way you want and so we got into and I did my bit with my partner and everybody laughed and I was like Guys, I was being serious. That one was serious. I was trying to be serious. And and my drama teacher was like, Jesse, you know what this means? And I went, oh, that I can't act. And he went, no, that you're a comedian. You're funny. And you should, yeah, you should look at doing comedy. And, you know, and eventually that's that's what I did. So, yeah, when mum was like, what are you going to do with your life? I was like, oh, I'll, I'll be a comedian. because how are you going to do that? And... I was on the computer at the time and I just went, oh, there's this competition called Raw. So I entered Raw Comedy and um, and the heat was in Melbourne. So I came out and I did my heat and then I got through. I won my heat and then my my cousin was there, came to support me. And he goes, when are you going to move to Melbourne? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've got to find somewhere to live. And, you know, it was always a, a distant dream. It was always, oh, one day I'll do that. And then he kind of just went, Oh, I need a housemate so you can move. And I was like, okay, yep. And then it just happened. Like I quit my job at the cinema. Like two weeks later I'd moved to Melbourne. Oh, God, that's so fast. Yeah, yeah. I look back on it now and go, like at the time I just didn't think that much of it, but it was such a huge, like I would never move somewhere (laughs) within two weeks now, you know. No. So it was, I just went, oh, yeah, it's happening. So I moved to Melbourne and I moved to Melbourne like the day of the the next the, one of the finals and then I, I got through and I got through and then, yeah, I made it to the to the national finals and, and, and got runner-up. It's bloody amazing, mate. Thank you. It's really amazing. And <laughs> yeah. that was your first experience of live stand-up. Yeah, live, proper live stand-up. Like I, I had done comedy, you know, at – different things that you couldn't class as a stand-up night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I had done comedy at – I think the first time I had done stand-up was I had friends that were in a band and they uh, would organise these variety nights. So they'd get like a circus performer and another band and um, whatever. And they said to me – when I first turned 18, they were like – I said, oh, I can come to your next gig. And they were like, you should get up and do some comedy. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> And it was the worst. <laughs> oh, no, it just did it bomb or? Yeah, really badly. <laughs> and did it turn you off or? No, I was aware that um, the circumstances probably were not right for, yeah. for comedy. So, like, I was 
it would have been about one o'clock in the morning that I went on and it was it was a long night and everyone was just waiting for the band and then all of a sudden, oh, here's our mate. <laughs> it just wants to do a bit of bit of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I think if anything it gave me the taste to kind of be better, be more prepared and in control, I guess. Yeah. Are you – because that takes resilience, I reckon, and guts. It was probably about three years later that I uh. – so it was three years of, you know, working up to it. And there was like, I think there was one other time I used to be quite the devout Catholic and I, which is, <laughs> I just grew up Catholic and I had. So did I. Yeah. I totally get it. Totally so I went to it. World Youth Day. I, I didn't, I did too in Sydney. I oh went my to God. That. So yeah, I went yeah. to, well, the one before, I went to the one in Rome. Holy dooly. Yeah. Yeah. The big one in Rome. And it was, um, <laughs> So I went to that, but we went, and I went because I had one of my best mates was working in youth services for the for the church, and she was like, "Hey, do you want to come? Why don't you come to Rome?" I'm like, "I don't have the money for that." She goes, "No, no, no. the Saint Pat's wants to. They've got this money to sponsor someone to go, and no one's applied for it." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I applied and got half my trip paid for. Oh, yeah. amazing! Church has got heaps of money. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's funny that. Yeah, isn't it? So yeah. I went um, and we did, um, like we spent two weeks in Israel, like just doing a tour of, of the Holy Lands and there was like a group of us of maybe a hundred from mostly Melbourne um, but kind of all around Victoria. And then one night we had a, we were staying in a kibbutz and we had a talent show one night and I went, well, I'll get up and do some stand-up. And then uh, Archbishop George Pell <laughs> That was, lovely fellow. Yeah. He was there uh, and he came up to me afterwards um, and he said, that was terrific. I'm your biggest fan. Whoa. Yeah. Can't put that on a poster. <laughs> no. There is a whole backstory. But we have a lot of American listeners who oh, might really? not know. Yeah, but he's under investigation now. He is. For child abuse and all those things. So, Yeah. This brings me to, and you don't have to talk about this, but I'd love to ask you, mm. growing up Catholic and then you said before coming out to yourself, being mm. gay and then growing up in that world, what was what, what's your sort of journey through that? Uh, yeah, I think being, being a Catholic and gay at that time, you couldn't, the two didn't go together yeah. <laughs> at all. So it, I was... You know, I was thirty when I when I came out, but but also I did when I was about twenty one. I came out, um, but to a very select few people, and also because I had no concept of no real concept of what it was to be gay. I had an idea in my mind of oh, I must be gay. Like I, I have feelings for other women, yeah, and it, it kind of yeah, it makes sense. But also, you know, growing up, I had this, I all the stereotypes of being gay, I didn't fall into them. So when I came out and I was like, well, actually I don't like that type of music or um, I don't like this or that, and I'm like, oh, well, I mustn't be gay, and I went back in the closet. And once you go back in, I well, I became very stubborn and was like, no, 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 this is – I tried it. I went through my – experimental phase yeah, yeah yeah so and then it, it just kind of one day I just went well you totally are <laughs> just went went with it wow yeah how what was there a moment that you kind of went this I'm, I'm sick of this I gotta just I gotta say something uh yeah kind of it was do you know what was, I actually came out at, at a at a gig so I, I had um Hannah Gadsby used to it was during Adelaide Fringe. It would have been eight years ago, I guess. Well, that's when I was thirty. Um, and she would run. She had these. Would do these late night gigs. And I was in Adelaide doing gigs and stuff. And she said, "Oh, hey, come and do. Do you want to come do a spot?" I was like, yeah, uh, "Yes, absolutely." And she said, um, well, "We have a like a theme. It's very loose, but if you want to do something around the theme, you can totally do it. I'm like, okay, cool. And she went, so the theme is boy or girl. And I went, okay, then cool. And I hung up the phone. In my mind, I just went, oh, I guess I'll just come out then. 
Wow. Yeah, it just it it's it's almost like it came from nowhere, but obviously it was there the whole time and I just needed an outlet for it. Yeah. Like coming coming out is such a weird thing anyway. Like and to be 30 and I've you know had spent you know close to you know 10 years of well not maybe maybe it's about 7 or 8 years doing comedy as a straight person and then to kind of just flippantly go oh no I'm totally gay (laughs) so it was and so that just was kind of an opportunity to do that because I I kind of so at the gig I just went I was doing all these jokes about you know men and whatever and dating men and all the classic single straight female stuff that young comics do a bit of that, and then I kind of went. Do you know what? I've I've always maintained that I've been into boys, but truth be told, I'm I'm kind of into girls. And then just went on this, you know, and then went through the things like you know, you look back and you know, I'm really good at softball, and and went through all the cliches and stuff. So, but before I did it, like during the day when I was trying to write out all these silly cliches, I'd called like other friends or had I had a cup of tea with Anne Edmonds and I was sitting down with her and I was like, oh, hey, so I'm just – so I'm doing this gig and this is what I'm going to do. It was all very – and we just went straight into the joke writing part of it and I did the same thing to my mate Kate. I called her up. I'm like, oh, hey, so I'm doing this and she said that she hung up the phone. Like we went through the whole thing. She goes, oh, yeah, there's that. Oh, there's that cliche and stuff. And then she hung up the phone and just went, oh, I think Jessica just came out to me. She went, yeah, yep, that's what that is. Oh, well, good on her. So for me it was just a really, it was a perfect way to do it kind of. I made it seem like it was it was nothing new and exciting. It was just a, oh, yeah. That's it. Happening. Yeah, to the yeah. point where at the gig when I did it, I kind of finished my set and everyone clapped and I went back to the back of the room and then Hannah was like, um, Sorry, just so everyone is aware, <laughs> Jezza, that was like your official coming out, wasn't it? And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the audience were like, oh, my, wow. You know, it was really kind of great. And then I, I think I came out on Twitter as well. I just had to start, yeah, coming out. And then I did a whole show about coming out and then, then it was done. <laughs> Sorted, everyone knows. Yeah. 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 How did did you tell your family in that way? Uh, or have I, you told oh, your family? Yeah, or? I told I told what did I how did I tell mum? Oh yeah, when I was writing the show and I was having having a writing session with one of my best mates, um, Harley Breen, another comic. Um and he was like, You know you've you've got to tell your parents and I'm like, Yeah <laughs> And I went, Okay, I'll do it now and he goes, What? <laughs> Holy moly. So I just, I called, I rang mum and, and told her and, to be, you know, she's a conservative, conservative Catholic living mm. in a regional town and she did not cope with it the best. Um, she was kind of very silent. It was, okay, you know, you could hear, almost hear her trying to process it in her mind of, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for our family? What is, what have I done anything wrong? What does this mean in terms of you know, the church and what I believe? And because um, it's such a you know in the church you get told to, to love everybody, mm. and then at the same time you get told to you know something like that comes up and it's like well no you can't do that. I'm like well what are you, what are you supposed to do? So. And then she was like, I just went, oh, do you want me to, do you want to speak to dad? And I was like, oh, after that reaction, I was like, nah, <laughs> you, you can, <laughs> you can, you can you tell, can him. tell him. him, you can tell him. Um, and then the next day she sent me an email saying, I didn't tell him. I think that's, that's up to you. And I was like, oh, and she said, you know, I'm not comfortable with you telling me this and, and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was a, a bit shit. But it, it, like, and I, 
after, you know, I let that, you know, that emotion kind of the initial anger and stuff, I let that settle. And then I, I sent her an email back and just explaining everything and how it's not a phase and blah, blah, blah. And I addressed it to both mum and dad. And then, and then I got a phone call off dad, like, you know, maybe 10 minutes after I'd sent the email and he was like, Oh, I just, I just want to say that I love you no matter what. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Oh God. oh, God. Did you just burst into tears? <laughs> yeah, I would have been yeah. on the floor. Yeah, yeah. It was full on. But um, but they've been, you know, incredibly supportive and stuff, you know, since, you know, especially mum. Like I found out like maybe a year later that she, she'd printed out that email and she'd carry it around in her bag and she'd pull it out and go, Look at this, you know. She was such a. She was so proud of me, you know. And I, it was something that I hadn't didn't realize until like a, a year later. But oh my god, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. But they've been pretty good, so good on them. Good on them. <laughs> yeah, good on them. Because that's the thing, isn't it? When you grow up Catholic in that kind of world, it's it's almost hard if you haven't grown up Catholic to understand what a big deal it is and yeah. and how it's so ingrained in who they are and their world understanding and yeah. yeah it's very easy for for them to you know especially for dad it was very easy for him to accept me as it, everything on an individual basis is very easy for him mm. to go oh yeah that's fine but on a whole mm. like it's it's hard you know it's to a bit reconcile. different so yeah. the gay marriage equality stuff was that hard or are they there well no, mum. Mum was really good about it. Dad, unfortunately, has just been diagnosed with with dementia, so he mm. has kind of regressed back to this. Yeah, he's he's like he's lost his filter, so he likes to point out when people have big bums. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's just kind of somewhere he goes, "Have a look at the arts on that." And I'm like, Dad, she's she's right there. <laughs> like someone's trying to like, excuse me. <laughs> Please don't talk to me. To me. So, when it comes to the to the gay stuff, he's it's kind of like he's he's forgotten how progressive he, he, <laughs> he had been. Was. So he's so the latest show that I did was about dad having dementia, and it was part of when I first went to visit him after he'd been diagnosed. Like he was he'd had surgery, um, not for dementia. He had, <laughs> He had bowel cancer, and quite this is what happens when quite often people are diagnosed with dementia. They'll show signs of it, and then they'll have major surgery, and it's when they're under a general anaesthetic because no one knows how general anaesthetic works. They just know that it works. So, um, quite often patients will come out and they'll enter a delirium, and then that's often when they get the the diagnosis that they have dementia, um, and that's what happened with dad. So when I went to visit him and I was telling him um, about, oh, yeah, so one of my stand-up shows from last year had been picked up to be on Comedy Next Gen. So I had my, you know, I was about to film my first hour of stand-up for TV. Um, and he was so proud. He was like, oh, it's so great. Oh, that's terrific. You have to tell me when it's on. I'm like, absolutely. And he goes, oh, that's really great. Also. Oh, I don't want to see you kissing any of your girlfriends. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And oh. I went, well, you know, thanks for thinking that I would have multiple girlfriends, but there's just one. So, and, and also that never happens in my stand up. No, so, no, when, what they just parade everyone's partners yeah. on and everyone makes out on TV. Yeah, yeah. But he just, you know, and every now and again, he'd just drop in this. Why are you gay? You know, you've got to change that kind of. Like, oh, it's kind of just you know eye rolling, kind of stuff. But mm. um, but mum is thankfully not yeah. all over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did does she tell him off for? Sort of. No, there's, there's kind or? of not, not much point telling him off because it's you know it, we know it's not really him. Mm. You know, we just kind yeah. of. I think it was one stage where we were, you know, we'd been looking at photos and I was there with the rest of my family. There was a photo of me when I was like three or four years old, like a preschool photo. And then my sister was like, oh, you know what, everyone used to always say, how cute is Geraldine? She's, she was such a cute kid. And I jokingly went, yeah, what happened? <laughs> 
And then dad would just turn around and go, she went gay. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, dad, what are you doing? You know, you just kind of have to laugh it off because, you know, he doesn't realise that it's so incredibly offensive. Yeah. Are you offended or do you, is it? Oh, yeah, can you it laugh hurts. At it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it hurts at the time, but also, you know, I can't, you can't let that stuff get to you. Like it's, no. you know, I understand that it's, you, you've got to separate the comment from, I know what he really feels. Yeah. I think I do, unless that's what he really feels. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of, I, yeah, I kind of, you know, try not to think about it too much. Like he's just an old, Fuddy duddy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Or oh. well, they regress. Like, I know my nana's 95, but she's got the mind of a 16 year old now. Yeah. And is very kind of flirtatious. Well, she was when I visited her last time and That's just funny. in a different space. So I think it yeah. is. I don't think it's it's their regression back mm. through their memories or something. Almost. Yeah. 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 It's um, the human brain. There's so much we don't understand. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. This episode's sponsor is Frankie and Mare. Their mission is to make aromatherapy accessible and fun for everyone with products with silly names that can genuinely help with health and well-being. They use all natural ingredients, pure essential oils, which means no synthetic perfumes or fragrance oils. Their sprays are multi-purpose and can be used as a light perfume, a room spray, a linen spray. As long as you smell them, you reap the benefits. They have great ones, including ones for sleep, for relaxation, for stimulation, for PMS, even for road rage, you name it, with funny names and clever quips. They're my favorite essential oils. Aromatherapy amazingly works in two ways. Your sense of smell is 10,000 more acute than sight or sound and travels to the brain faster. It affects the limbic system, which controls emotions and survival instincts, so a good smell is very likely to affect your mood on a primal level. All the more reason to check out Frankie and Mare. They ship all around the world and ship fast. If you'd like to, go to the promo code in the links below at Make the Thing and grab 15% off your next purchase. Okay, on with the show. Where are you at with your faith, I guess, and Catholicism and all oh, that Oh, I do not go to church anymore. Like yeah. I've um, – it's – once you separate, you know, your faith from the church, it's very easy to – leave the church and also I think the biggest thing for me in leaving the church was um becoming a feminist (laughs) yeah (laughs) there is no place for a feminist in the catholic church no it just doesn't and I you know I look back and I'm like oh man it's so fucked yeah why couldn't I be an altar boy (laughs) like I was so you know and also I actually wanted – I liked the idea of being a priest. Wow. And just from that aspect of like it was part laziness and it's also <laughs> part – because I just like they just work for an hour each, <laughs> each Sunday, you know. I thought I can, I can get up there. And then also they could just sit down a lot of the time and watch other <laughs> things going on and they just get up and do a little bit of a talk. I'm like I could – I could pick a story out of the Bible and riff on that for five minutes. I could do that. Drink some wine, learn all the things. It's the same every week. Like wear a dress. Yeah, you know? for me, it was like a performance. It was like you know, you know, it was a show each week. And like, why why couldn't I be the the center of attention in that show? I could I could entertain for an hour. So I, you know, but then it's like, oh no, no. You, Women aren't allowed to be priests. Women, you know, if you want to be, you want to be part of the Catholic Church, you can come in on, on the weekend, arrange the flowers, and vacuum the church. Like it was set up the afternoon morning teas, do the rosters, yeah, clean the sacristy, yeah, or whatever. I know it used to infuriate me as a kid too, because I was a super devout kid, like really. My cat, my family's hugely Catholic, and my dad works for the church, and so I grew up. I I, I got to be an altar girl. That Did was you? progressive in Doncaster. Yeah, see, in yeah. ours we didn't that because it was up to the local priest what they wanted, and mm. ours was like, no, it's just for just for boys. But there was another one like, like you know nearby that we'd got get to go to sometimes. It'd be 
there'd be girl, older girls. I was like, oh, why can't we come to church here? <laughs> yeah. Why could you do the training? Yeah. I was like, it's my brother. It was like a, you know, it was in the year above it. So it was like three years older and I was just the worst having to watch him get to do it. Yeah. And just muck about. Not having to sit next to your parents in church was so. Ah. The best. Yeah. Yeah. Get anyway. to do the bread and wine thing and carry the thing and wash the yeah. stuff. Yeah. It is. It's very odd. And I feel the same. I Progressively, there's this feminist voice that's coming out again. I feel like there's this resurgence. And maybe it's just because I'm watching back-to-back Handmaid's Tale episodes <laughs> or something. But I do I, – I don't think I ever really understood the diff, the road that women have been through in Mm. history I don't ever really think I understood it and when you look at the Catholic Church through that lens you suddenly just go what yeah what what like of course it's just all men and so I don't know when you so for me and I want I want I'm curious whether this is something you kind of think through that your beliefs now in in the world or God or your your faith are now separate completely from the church or would you have you developed a framework for what you believe in or uh I, th- I think um yeah I keep my faith kind of pretty separate now like if I like I haven't been to church in, in a long time and my the rest of my family is still mm. you know Catholic but it got to a point where thankfully mum stopped asking me to like, because I, I, I said to her one day, she goes, you, you know, it was always you coming to mass, and that was that would be the only time that I'd go to mass was with, family. you know, with family when I went home to visit and stuff. So it was just like, oh yeah, I'll tag along. And then it got to the point where when I said, I said, Mum, I, I don't go to church anymore. There is no room for me in mm-hmm. in that space. Like mm-hmm. they are against they against me being mm-hmm. a gay woman, and also. Man, the church has so much to answer for mm. with all the sexual assaults and abuse mm. that's happened for years and years and years. And I'm like, how on earth could I support something that has that amount of cover up and um and just the fact that that it happened and it's like I don't see at all why I would how you know for me i can't there's no way i could justify going to church after everything that they mm. have done like i had a, a like a cousin that was um that was a victim and he'd sent out an email to his like cause he he had come out publicly um on on radio and we knew kind of that something might have happened when he was at at boarding school um and then he said, and he just sent out a, an email to the the whole family saying, "This is what happened." And and for me, I think that was a a big turning point. Like I went that with that happening and knowing that that happened, it's like I can't, you can't support, you can't. How do you go back to that? Yeah. And that was, you know, that would have been, oh gosh, probably close to ten, probably yeah, close to ten years ago, or a bit less maybe. And then, and it's only now that people are starting to, you know, be accountable for that mm. behaviour. And that whereas the church is still there, and people still go along. And for me, it was quite easy to separate the church from from my faith. Yeah, oh, it's it's so it makes me so I don't even yeah. know the word for it. Furious, angry, sad. I yeah, don't know, so many words because what you believe in, and there are so many people that go to church and are a part of that community those communities that are wonderful giving yes. kind people and it is it's really sad what do you believe in now community ah yeah absolutely because that's the you know that was the the good thing about the church is you know you forget that the good part of it was that sense of community like you would see the same people each week and you would have you know it was you knew that every second sunday they'd have a cake stall and um so that was exciting and so it's it's about for me the best part of organized religion is the community aspect of it so i think it's important for people to find another community mm. um you know because i i think that uh you know, loneliness is a um, a horrible thing, and it's probably the instigator of a lot of 
bad things that happen to people that people experience and and having meaningful relationships is makes such a difference mm. in someone's well-being and so i think yeah finding finding your community makes a big difference so for me that is comedy it was a very easy transition to go from being a catholic to being a comedian because i you know the because the comedy world it's quite you know, it's quite small, you know, and you, you go to the gigs and you see the same people there each week, give or take, and then you make friends along the way. Um, so for me, yeah, it's it's comedy. And also working at a community radio station is just, you know, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, I read a story about you went on radio and some people, your bike was broken down and then yeah. like listeners came and helped you oh fix my God. it. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. first time I'd, I'd, it's funny, I was doing an interview on the show that I am now a co-host on, so on the Breakfasters, which is, it's a, you know, the community station in, in Melbourne, Triple R, but it's, Triple R is like quite iconic in Melbourne and also, you know, pretty much in Australia. It's the, like it's the largest community station in the Southern Hemisphere. It's And people there's people that listen all around the world. So I remember going on, I was going on as a, as a guest just to talk about my comedy festival show at the time and I woke up and I had a motorbike at the time and I walked out like it was, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning and someone had tried, had tried to steal my bike the night before so they'd, you know, just put a spanner in the ignition and broken that. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't ride. And then I was like desperately trying to get to the station, having to rely on public transport and just kind of walking and running. And I got there like 10 minutes before the show ended. And so they were like, yeah, quick, come on. And did the briefest interview. And then they were like, hey, just so everyone's aware, someone tried to steal on his bike and, you know, if anyone can help out gives a call and then, you know, they finished off the show and then the phones just lit up and there was – I ended up – someone came down and they had a – they thought they were talking about my push bike so they bought a bicycle <laughs> down for me. So Aww. they were like, oh, we've got a spare bike. So they bought that down and so they let me borrow it for a couple of weeks. Aww. So I had a bike and then another motorbike mechanic called up and that night he came around to my house and – kind of took my bike away and bought it back the next day with the new ignition and oh. just had it all fixed and that's that's what community radio is it's you know people all it, it's such a a family kind of it's it's so nice and loving and it especially comes out during radiothon um which is like our it's like 10 days of subscribe you know we survive on your subscriptions and but it's when people call up and you know, and just have stories of why they listen, and and it's so nice when you when I meet people that go, oh, I listen to you every morning, and you're such a part of our of our lives, you know, because they listen every morning. So mm. it's it's really it's nice. Yeah, super yeah. nice. Yeah. See, I completely agree with that. That community is what it's about. Right? Mm. How did you meet your partner online? Oh. <laughs> It's so yeah. many people do now. It's the only way to – well, it's not the only way. It's – I mean, yeah, we met um, three and a half years ago now and, yeah, we met, uh, yeah, online. And it was one of those things where – because, you know, especially being being gay, it's like where do you where do you go? <laughs> like there's, there is no – I mean, there's a couple of, you know, lesbian nights and there's, there's gay bars but it's much more for gay men. Uh, so there was the prospect of just going out one night and Bumping meeting in. someone was yeah. was kind of off off the cards, and I, you know, it was like I I have my reservations about online dating because it's it can be it becomes more like a job interview, <laughs> and it's you know, and there's one hand we like you don't want to find love that way, but it's just. No, oh, this is me. This is you. Do we connect? And but you just kind of got to. I did. Kind of, I kind of went off and on and off and on, and then just happened to yeah, meet the love of my life on online, <laughs> which is nice. And it was you know I remember our first date. Um, we found out that uh, her cousin 
was um, a, a good friend of mine um, who I'd met through comedy and, yeah, he's – she said that he's the reason that – because I said, oh, yeah, it, it wasn't for him, we wouldn't – she goes, no, he's the reason why we you got a date so soon after the first one because she was like, what's she like? And he was like, yeah, she's good, go for it. So, um, but, yeah, that was, yeah, three and a half years ago now, so – Ah, love a love story. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. What's she like? Uh, like she's, she's great. She's super smart. Like I, 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 I love her in that um, I can learn so much from her, <laughs> you know, especially about, you know, she's, she's a feminist, but um, like she's on next level feminism. Like I'm still at, you know, I think I'm still at feminism 101. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so like I'll read articles about it and go, yeah, how great is this? It is like this. And she'll just read it and roll her eyes and go, yeah, we all know what a bit, you know, and it's like, oh, well, come on. You just, <laughs> so we, you know, we argue about things and but I you know it's I can always ask her you know had to explain things and and why she feels the way she does and also challenge her on sometimes she can be quite um uh, elitist <laughs> I'm like you know you feel, I'm like you know you forget that you've had a very good education and not everybody knows the stuff that you know. You know, she's lived in Egypt and studied, you know, she can speak. Oh, wow. Multiple languages and, you know, she's in this – sometimes she gets in this frame of mind of like, if you, why don't you know this? I'm like, because I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like people don't yeah. know stuff and it's, you know, it's it's okay to educate us but in a nice way. <laughs> You know, so yeah. But she's, you know, she's she's quite passionate and funny, not as funny as me. <laughs> That's important. It's very important. Yeah, you got to be the funny one. Yeah, but she's, yeah. you know, she's the type of person that is, if she wants to do something, she'll she'll just do it. Yeah, like she made, she did her own floorboards. Like what made her own floors? Like, and not as in went, I'll buy some floorboards and I'll install them. She went, I'll make my own floorboards <laughs> and do a herringbone, like a parquetry floorboards. Yeah. Herself? Yeah. I mean, obviously wow. I helped. Yeah. <laughs> and so did she got other people to help. But that's it, it, just what she does. She just goes, she goes oh, I can. I can th- there that. is no, I can't. She's like a man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she just goes, yeah, I can do that. I'm like what are you? Where do you get that confidence from? She goes, I just, I just do it. You know, she just researches online and looks up YouTube videos and goes, there's no fear of failure there. She'll just go, oh, I'll just do it. So now we have beautiful parquetry floor that she made from pallet wood. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm having difficulty hanging up a picture in our house. Yeah. <laughs> I just am boggled by people like that who have that ability. Um, do you have fear of failure? Do you struggle with yes. that? Yeah. <laughs> like the whole when she does the floor, when she does stuff like that, at the moment we're in she's, we're in the middle of um replacing the external weatherboard on one side of the house with with corrugated iron. She's like, "Yeah, I'll do that." What? So, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> she's like, "I can do that." you know, and it's for me the whole every time she comes up with she goes, "Oh, this needs to be fixed," you know. She's replaced windows. And stuff. I just think, why don't you just get in a professional to do it? Because my fear is that if you don't get it right, you're going to have to get in a pro anyway. Later. Yeah. So just we've got the money. Just do it now. But she's like, no, you can save. I mean, she's saved thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars by doing these things herself. Like the, to do the floors in the house, like it costs like two and a half, or maybe not even that much. Maybe like two and a half thousand dollars or something like That's that. That's amazing. Yeah. But so much there's so much labour there. <laughs> so much. Oh my god. Been on all hands and knees with a sander and just <laughs> the things that we have done on our relaxing weekends away are just they're not relaxing. But yeah, absolutely I have fear of failure. All the time. Um especially on things that I've I've never done before. Because mm. this show is all about 
sort of people that listening are, are trying to get something done and keep on going with it. What's your advice around that? that- Watch YouTube videos. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, it just, oh man, there's something, there's some, it's a really special feeling when you do have an idea and follow through on it. Mm. It's really, it's something really satisfying mm. about it. Um, I used to, I did a podcast years ago and that podcast has resulted in me working in radio. Um, but I remember it was, you know, maybe it was early on of the days of podcasting, especially in Australia, there was, um, you know, a couple of other people were doing podcasts, but I was like, no, I reckon I can, I can do one. I can do one. Um, and most other podcasts were by men, which is still the case. Yeah, bloody is, Russ, why I'm doing this one. It's amazing. It is. And I went, I'm going to do a podcast with my mates and we're going to talk about footy. <laughs> and it was um, – so I did it with uh, Anne Edmonds and Kate McLennan and we we just went to – I just wanted to do a podcast where we talked about the footy. We All three of us liked AFL. And so we would go to the footy each week, and then we actually would we'd sneak into the um, to Austeria, like to Triple M, and like which is you know a big one of the major big stations in, yeah. in Australia. We'd sneak in on a Sunday night. Someone had a tag to get through security, and we we're like, oh yeah, we're just doing a demo. If anyone asked, we were we're just doing a demo for the digital <laughs> station. Um, <laughs> But no one ever came in, so it was fine. And then, and we just talked about our experience at, at the footy, and it people liked it, and a fair amount of people liked it. And we just did it for one year, or one footy season, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then we just kind of got a bit busy for the next year. We're like, oh, maybe we'll do it again later on. But things just kind of kind of got a bit busy. And then Triple R got in contact with us, and we're like. Can, do you want to come and do it? Do a summer fill, do a sports show. It was like four weeks. I'm like, oh, it's four weeks. We can yeah. manage to do four weeks together. Yeah. So, and we did that, and they were like, please come and have a regular show. And then we did that, and Kate and Neto kind of stuck around for the first half of the year, and then they just got both both of them, you know, are very successful TV writers and mm. have their own TV shows. So they kind of um, were doing that and I was just left there doing radio. But then at the end of that year I got the I got the job doing the doing the breakfast show. So but I just I still remember all the obstacles that came up from doing that podcast. Like I just I got over them. Yeah. Like, like finding so the biggest hurdle was finding somewhere to do it. Yeah. Like it was we didn't have like I know other people would were doing podcasts and they had access to like a a studio. Like we we didn't we didn't have that. So we had to like we got a friend's boyfriend who would casually do some paneling and he's like, "Yeah, I'll sneak you in." So it was just doing that little bit of extra research and and just when it finally happened and, you know, and working out how to edit things and kind of just just learning how to do things, it's it's the YouTube thing, you know. It's just get online and research what you need to do because, you know, chances are if, if you want to do something, maybe someone's done it before yeah. or has a fair idea of where you're going and you can you can kind of work it out. Yeah. So just, I mean, in, like sometimes it only takes a couple of minutes so for me, that's the biggest. For me, I get overwhelmed very easily. Mm. Um, so when I sit down and go, oh, no, I want to do just take it one step at a time, and I, I do it, and then it's you know I think it's so silly, but getting that podcast up and running was one of the greatest achievements <laughs> of my life. Like it, it's just one that made me feel really good because it was like it was all women, and we were talking about an all male dominated thing, and. Yeah, in a, in a male-dominated field. Yeah, and you and you snuck in. You didn't follow the rules. You just made up your own rules. Yeah, and that that is where the juice and the magic happens in life, right? Yeah, where you realise that there are no rules. You know, I mean, there's laws, but you know, you can come to something in all different ways, and you yeah. never know where it's going to lead. But you have to keep doing it. Yes, isn't that the thing? You've got to for at least one footy season. <laughs> 
that's the best advice you've ever been given. Yeah. Just one footy season. At least. At least. You should do a podcast. You should. Yeah, I should. I know. And, yeah. um, and I tell everyone to do to do podcasts as well. But it's, it, I think about it all the time. But also, you know, I, I talk for three hours every morning. Actually, that's so. a very good point. You, so you are, but you're doing it on a radio and yeah. doing it. Yeah, you've got your own show already. But, but at the same time, then it's it should be, it's an easy thing to, and it, it, podcasting is so different to, to radio. Mm. It really is. Like, I mean, when I talk, it's like I have to come up with something to talk about for, for five minutes at least, whereas a podcast you just talk and talk and talk. Yeah, have a chat with friends and yeah. Yeah, it's um. I think that whole thing about that a lot of women aren't in podcasting is really. I mean, there are there are great podcasts done by women, oh, huge, huge, and lots of funny, great ones. But yeah, it's still very, very male. But even in, in Australia, yeah, name me a podcast that's hosted by more than one woman. The Mamma Mia podcast network is all women. So that and that they're very funny. I mean, some of their shows aren't my cup of tea, but. They're, they're doing a great service for women in that way and they're quite good. Great. There you go. I know, but they didn't exist a couple of years ago. Yeah. And and other than them, and they're a women's network, you know, like mm. women's media network, other than Mel them. Mel Buttle and pa- Patience Hodgson did a podcast very early on. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh. The, that was, they did that probably before I did the download. They were like one of my, oh, I'm like, oh, they they just get up and do it. People just get up and do yeah. it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, your partner's like that too. Yeah. Just surround yourself with people who get up and do things. And that's the thing. So we need more of that, I reckon, yeah. for sure. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Are we going to talk hippie? about comedy? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, we, we went through. We went to some dark places. We did, but I, but I think that that's great though because I, I think so. I do. I think when people, what I found with the show is that when people are making stuff, they have to be vulnerable and they're putting themselves out there and understanding people who make stuff's journey. Yeah, helps. I just want so, listeners yeah. to know that I'm very funny. <laughs> Well, you could send them to your. You could crack some jokes now. I feel like. Well, you've done some jokes already. Okay. Yeah. You have. Oh, good. We'll send. We'll put some links down there <laughs> to prove that you are. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I guess. Well, let's ask another question just before okay. we finish. Then about comedy specifically. Mm-hmm. How do you? What's your writing process like when you approach a stand-up gig? Uh, I th- the writing comes later. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Sometimes I I will go to a gig sometimes and think I don't know. It's especially now when it's like coming up with new material. And I, the last couple of gigs I've done have been pretty average because I don't know what to talk about and I um I I kind of have a concept or something that I want to bring up but I don't know where it's gonna go yeah so and to me I can't sit down and write that out I have to get up in front of people and just start talking and see where it leads and then I'll you know go back and and kind of so yeah quite often the the process is is first is talking out loud and then kind of formulating those ideas a bit better and writing and then getting more material out of it that way um which does not always work and i think the next thing i'm trying to work on at the moment is um the education system in australia and how um i did not do well at school and how how much of an effect that had on my mental health and like i was man i I really struggled at university and at high school you know, real problem was hospitalised for. I spent a week in a psych unit when I went to university and stuff. And looking back, it was all through the stresses of of study. And and so I'm trying to look at how to how to make that funny. And like, but it's just that one. You know, it's an aspect of your life that you go, why why is this the way it is? Because and I don't think I'm dumb. No. And but I just I struggle in in school, and I think. There's a there's probably a lot of people that identify with that, and I'm just trying to find a way of 
talking about that and making it a bit funny. So that people will hear it? Yeah. yeah. So people hear it and also, you know, I, I just it's an interesting conversation mm. to have. The problem is yeah. I'm not smart enough to come up with the right words to make people go, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> see, it's so funny you say that because you strike me as very intelligent and very switched on. And I didn't. I did not pass high school. What? Was well, I guess I did. I did, <laughs> but you know, I think my my TR was. Um, I I just was the the issue that I have with the Australian education system is it's so much more focused on non creative things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I was very you know I was good at the creative side of stuff and um and and you get punished for that. Yeah, it's weighted differently. It's what yeah so. You know, because I did visual arts and drama and sport, like I did PE or something. So it, I just my marks were graded down because I wasn't doing the the maths and science. So crazy. And and what is what does that you know what does that do to someone's mental health? Yeah, and self esteem. Yeah, absolutely. I hundred percent agree. There's so because I, I was a teacher, yeah. and I passionately believe this because I, when I was teaching in primary school, there would be kids in my grade who were great at sport, great at writing, great at I don't know maths and science, and then there were these kids who would be like performers, mm. like they're like creative in every fibre of their being, yeah, and they just didn't fit in with the way that. Uh, the system works and I fought for uh, and with another colleague of mine, Jess, who's amazing, we fought to have a school concert. The school hadn't had one for like 11 years. Oh, wow. And we were like, no, God damn it, we're doing it. And then just the joy when these kids, I could cry talking about it, just (laughs) on stage and their parents saw them in a different light and they made friends and their class, instead of being the dunce naughty kid, that yeah. is smart Alec and teachers are always like, oh, that kid. That was Ugh. a centre of attention Tenor- for a good reason. Yeah, and so clever and great and doing these things that none of those other kids could do. Yeah. You know, making everyone laugh, being funny, being clever, having a different perspective and that is just as much of an intelligence as being really great with numbers is. Yeah. Every- we need everybody, you know, yeah. and I totally agree. I think the system... There's some serious change that needs to happen there for sure. I mean, I could talk about it for for a long time. We should do another episode. Okay. <laughs> but it's true. There's oh, I, just the, the the even social intelligence and emotional mm. intelligence. Like that's yeah. something that you clearly have in spades. Yeah, that clearly, like the American president doesn't have that. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like because I one of my co-hosts um, is. It, is an academic. He's so smart. He is so smart. His name's Jeff Sparrow, and he, you know, he's a political writer. Um, like used to be the editor of Overland. Um, writes for the Guardian. Uh, has is a novelist. Has written books. Uh, so smart, but sometimes so dumb. <laughs> and it just it baffles me. Like it just go. How did like he baked a cake for the first time? Like last week, this is a man that is who, and it was just a packet mix, and we had to like at first he didn't want it. Like he picked up a packet and he goes, "Oh, because we dared him to bake us some muffins for breakfast," and he picked up a packet mix of cupcakes and was like looking at it going, "Oh, I have to get eggs, and it's too hard." Like, Are you serious? You've written a book. You can't bake a cake, and then and, and we go. No, you go back there and you make those. And he bought this packet mix, and then like her other co-host Sarah was like, apparently he was texting her the whole time he was doing it, and she was having a mental breakdown because he was saying stuff like, "I've put the butter in, and now it's all clumpy." And she's like, "Did you melt the butter?" He goes, "What? They didn't tell me to do that." Oh my god, look, he's so smart. What is it about? Because it's just following instructions. Or yeah, he goes. Oh, it didn't say to melt the butter. I'm like, did did it really not say that? Or did you just read the bits that you wanted to read and think you had it all? Yeah, you goes, knew yeah, it. It was probably more that, you know. <laughs> like you'd ask him anything about the Russian Revolution, he's all over it. Can't bake a fucking cake. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. He's bizarre. But that's what I mean. There's yeah. different horses for courses, different skills. He's obviously not put on the earth to bake. 
goods, yeah. baked goods, but everyone still wants muffins. Exactly. You need people that can do that too. Yeah, and abs- and you look at that in a, in a wider thing. It's people need uh, we need to appreciate everybody. Like it's so easy to dismiss people that that can't write a good tweet. Yeah. <laughs> do you know that? Yes. You know, I I had I get really annoyed at people dismissing an argument because of grammar. Mm. Oh, I hate that. I'm like, you're not listening to or, or latching on to something that, you know, with, with in, like, for example, in Roseanne's um, apology tweet and she mentioned that she had taken, she was on ambient mm. and she goes, oh, it was an ambient tweet. And then people latched onto that ambient part and saying, oh, Roseanne blames the sleeping pills for what she said. You can't blame sleeping pills for racism and blah, blah, blah. And she went, no, 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 you read the, the whole tweet and she said, I take responsibility for this. And that's that whole, you know, you get people, the the Trump voters essentially that ha- don't get their voice heard because they're instantly dismissed for being dumb or mm-hmm. not saying it the right way. Yeah, not using the correct grammar or capital letters. Yeah, or, or just kind of not being able to articulate things that they need to articulate and and then there's this fear of saying using the wrong language and saying the, the wrong thing so they're, they're kept silent. Mm, massive. A lot of them should be kept silent. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. Yeah, but but it is about listening though and and trying to understand that each person has a worldview that they've grown up with and a lens mm. they're looking through um, and that we're not all – privileged enough to have the same standard of education and the same and even going back further than that the same parents who raised those kids in the same way Mm. we talk a lot about that when we worked with indigenous kids they would come to school without ever having seen any written words ever didn't even know how to hold a book no no, not even maybe a phone book. Like yeah. they've never seen it before. So how can you go from that where like my son, who I was reading to him before he was born and I have books beside my bed and, you know, mm. he's two and he already opens a book and, you know, all those sorts of things. You Those people are starting the race yeah. so much further behind mm. before they even get there. And it doesn't mean they can't get to where their destination is, but it's going to take them longer yeah. for lots of different reasons. And I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. We are at the moment very quick to judge on both sides, right and left. Absolutely, yep. Mm. And it, it, uh, and there you have it. And there you have it. <laughs> Geraldine Hickey's. <laughs> well, you know what, mate? I think you're going to change the world a bit. I get that feeling. Mate, I'll change the world for one person and that'll do. Yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> More time to sit. Down and just chilling. Yeah. yeah. Ponder about life. Ponder about life. No, I really do. I really admire um, you in general for what you've achieved oh. in your career too and what you've been through as well. Yeah, thanks. You're a real role model out there. Yeah. You just keep going, mate. <laughs> One foot. One foot in front of the other. You never peak. <laughs> you never, that's it, you're never done. Yeah, it's not a hill. We're just going for a stroll along the a windy road. Yeah, yeah, it's you just yeah, every time I saw a quote the other day that was like every mountain is just teaching us how to climb. It's not that you get yeah. to the summit and you're done. You just you get over that mountain and there's another one. Yeah. You know, and we're walking Whereas along. I don't like the image of <laughs> climbing so mine's a windy road so you come around a corner and there's something good there you go oh sweet I'm glad I came down here Muffins. there's a there's a tv job and you walk around another corner like oh sweet didn't know that was there <laughs> just keep walking just jaunting along yeah. keep on going excellent okay well we might finish there but I think I'm gonna have to have you back to have an episode on about education yeah sick I'll do some more research and thinking <laughs> I just no. mean thinking by research. I'm going to think about stuff a bit more. <laughs> While you're walking along. Yeah, yeah. Have a The think. windy road. The windy road, exactly. I think also just by being someone who has a career in the arts and is making a goal of it 
is also really powerful mm. because for kids, if they can't see themselves in TV, they can't see themselves represented, it's just that much harder to know that they can do it. Yeah. You know? So I think that you are doing a stellar old job. Thanks, mate. No worries. Okay. Where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter and Facebook and I have a website. So it's all GeraldineHickey.com uh, is my website and like links to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is all there, but they're all Geraldine Hickey. Google Excellent. it. Google. Google this woman. Oh, and also um, you can listen to Triple uh, R Breakfasters. Um, and if you are listening from anywhere in the world, you can go to rrr.org.au and listen online. And we have a podcast. Oh, you do have a podcast? Yeah, we put the podcast out. But jump on the, on the website. It's all there. Excellent. Will do. Cheers. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, your host, Claire Tonti, and the ever-charming, ever-funny Geraldine Hickey. I highly recommend you go and grab some of her stuff. You can find her at her site, GeraldineHickey.com, with a fabulous photo, and it's worth going even just to see her incredible hairstyle. And also check out that bit of Nicole's and just all her comedy. It's amazing. If you want to hear more from me, you can go to Instagram at Claire Tonti. You can find this show and many other episodes at iTunes um, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, as well as more shows from the Planet Broadcasting Network at www.planetbroadcasting.com. I'm also on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. And if you'd like to email the show, and we always love to hear from you, go to justmakethethingpod at gmail.com. Guys, have a little favor to ask. If you have time, it would be amazing if you could scooch on over to iTunes and leave us a review, preferably five stars, but I'm not telling you what to do. I would love, love, love to read some reviews there and also just helps our show be discovered. So if you have time, do us a favor, love. Thank you. And for all those people out there making stuff and battling away, good luck. Keep on at it. As I found, consistency is way better than quality. (laughs) So just get stuff out there. You never know where it'll lead. Keep on going no matter what it looks like. And as always, the indomitable, incredible, hardworking Raw Collings has once again edited this show and boosted me up when I've doubted myself. He is one great guy to have around on your team. So you can follow him on Twitter. Thanks to Raw. Okay. I think we're all out. See you next time. G'day. My name is Sam and I produce the podcast Human Ordinary on the Planet Broadcasting Network. My podcast features stories about our relationships, culture and all the things that make us human. I'm about to start season three of the show and this year you'll hear stories from political activists, an archaeologist, aid workers, professional wrestlers and some of my neighbours. These are stories about the extraordinary feat of being an ordinary human. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check out Human Ordinary. That's human forward slash ordinary. Cheers. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.